Welcome everybody to Arm Barn Talk, where we call it the Arm Barn. It is currently 3.25 a.m. and we got some shit to talk about. So, let's get into it. order of business we're going to talk about los doyers so my favorite team obviously the los angeles dodgers i've been i've been talking about this with various people for a very long time oh tani three syllables oh tani show hey you know this guy see i knew he was going to the dodgers you know, I've been saying this for months. It makes the most sense. You know, he doesn't have to move. It's a closer flight to, you know, he doesn't have to go all the way across the country if he wants. You know, it's 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 the closest option for him to be able to go back to Japan, which I know he does a lot. You know, the flight, you know, is only 10 hours instead of 16 hours. So that's a, that's a big deal. Like, you know, there was the rumor about him on the flight to Toronto. And, you know, even if, even if he did... <laughs> you know, go and talk with these teams. There was no way he was going to sign with anyone else but the Dodgers. I've been saying this for months now. If he didn't sign with the Dodgers, he's just a fool. Because that's not, you know, it it, it makes the most sense. It's a championship-eligible team. Like they, they compete every single year. They choke it a lot. And admittedly, they do choke it a lot. But it is, you know, it's a championship-contending team. It's got the payroll. It's it's you know he can be a lot better there with all the analytics and all the staff and everything that they have, the, the better coverage and the better this and the better that. They're just altogether a better organization. One of the, the probably a top two organization in baseball right now. Who's the top one? I couldn't even tell you. Um, but there was no way he was going anywhere else. Like we 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 heard the um, the Giants offered him a similar deal that the Dodgers did, and you know. That comes from the, the Giants' general manager worked under um, what's his name, uh, Andrew Friedman. He worked under Andrew Friedman. You know, he was his he was his right hand man, and then he goes off and gets the GM job at San Francisco. Um, so they have a very similar idea, and they have a very similar way of thinking because Andrew Friedman taught this guy. You know, he he nurtured him, and he went through that whole process. So they had a very similar deal on the table, but the 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 intangibles, the things that you can't give, you know, the things that you can't give to a player, right? If 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 the organization doesn't have these things, i.e., the better analytics and you know, just the name and the market and everything like that, because. The Los Angeles Dodgers are the biggest market in baseball. Like Anaheim, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, which totally separate topic. They need to shorten that fucking name. the The Angels don't have the they don't they don't have the intangibles that the Dodgers do. And same thing with the Giants. They don't have those intangibles that the Dodgers do, and and that's one of the biggest factors for him. He wanted a championship contending team because he's been laying away in Anaheim for the past six years 
or not six years, whatever, how long, however long it's been, five years, whatever, whatever it's been. He's been laying away down there, you know, wasting his talents. And he realized that that's why he, he one of the options was he was going to resign with the Angels. A, they don't have enough money. And B, he wants to win a championship bad. And so do the LA Dodgers because they felt that they felt a taste of that in 2020. But you know, we we keep being told you know Mickey Mouse ring, blah blah blah, all this stuff. So the fact that he wanted to win a championship, he wanted to go to a team that was going to do all they could to be able to get a championship. That is exactly what they do every single year. They're in the hunt. They've made the playoffs the last 11 out of 12 years, right? So in in 20 was it 21 we had the wild card and you know ct hit that walk-off homer against the uh uh, cardinals in the bottom of the 10th inning i went absolutely fucking ballistic i went apeshit over that that was awesome um you know every 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 single year we're in the hunt and you know ever since 2020 you know technically it's a ring even as a Dodgers fan, even as a lifelong Dodgers fan, it does not feel the same. I can tell you this. A 60-game season is not the same as a 162-game season, and I understand that. You know, um, A shortened playoff is not the same as a regular playoff season. I understand that. You know, uh, Neutral ground is not the same as a regular World Series. You know, Neutral site, and I understand that. To me, it was awesome to see them finally get one, and Kershaw finally got his ring. But because of all those reasons I just said, it it, it does not feel the same. It just doesn't. Um, and I can tell you, if 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 this year, if we do something this year, because we have Otani, and I'm about to talk about in a minute, we just got this Yamamoto guy. If we can take that. We can take that, take those guys, take this, take this team. We have an absolute fucking lineup. If I, if I just may, real quick, um, there are many, 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 many things that this this team can do very, very well. Um, I gotta find this here. My opinion, Fox. Here we go. Um, so. There, there are a lot of things that this team does well, and one thing we needed to work on was pitching, right? We needed pitching bad, you know, because Julio Rios, <laughs> I'm not going to really go into that all that much, but um, Julio Rios, you know, Bueller was here for a little bit, Dustin May still iffy, um, Kershaw, his back's having it, he's, he's having back issues, which, you know, he's had it for quite a while now, admittedly, but let's just look at their starting rotation for a second. Yoshinobu. Yamamoto, Walker Bueller, Tyler Glasnow, which I will also talk about in a minute, Bobby Miller, and Emmett Sheehan. These guys, I'm going to tell you, this group of five guys right here is going to be absolutely fucking lights out, man. They're going to be lights out. This is a special group of starting pitchers right here. Now, I'm, I'm telling you, like, Emmett Sheehan, we saw a lot of good stuff from him last season. A lot of good stuff from him last season. It was amazing. You know he had a couple he had a couple rocky um, rocky outings here and there, but obviously that's to be expected of a of a rookie. You know you're not going to expect him to go out there and throw like an MVP every single day or every single start. And the but the fact that he kept his ERA under three or under three five, excuse me, and you know he was able to 
he was able to get outs effectively. Like he 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 did get a lot of strikeouts, but at the same time he was able to work that ball around the strike zone to be able to get the ground ball here and there. He he has a good change, so he was able to get that down. And same thing with Bobby Miller. Bobby Miller absolutely phenomenal. Kept his ERA under three, and was just an absolute dog when we needed him to be. And it was amazing to see. You know, he got a pitch in the playoffs, and he was great in the playoffs. Um, and this Walker Buehler fellow, I haven't, I you know, we haven't seen him in a minute, but every time Walker Buehler pitches, I mean, it's something special to behold. You gotta watch this guy, man. I I love watching Walker Buehler because every time he pitches. You know, I feel like something great is going to happen. And Tyler, Tyler Glass, that recent pickup, you know, the three recent pickups we got. Obviously, we got uh, Otani, Glass now, and Yamamoto, right? We also got Manuel, or not sorry, um, you yeah, know, Manuel Margot. We also got Margot, which um, I believe is a good pickup, and that is very. He can be very instrumental to us as well because also a very good player. He's not, he's not, they're barely reporting his ass, but I'll tell you something here. He is a good player. You know, during that 2020 World Series, when he was playing against the Dodgers, I saw some of the stuff he was doing. I was like, damn, he's a great fielder. He can hit, you know, he's got power. He understands the situation. He's a good player. Um, and Tyler Glasnow as well. He's he's also he's a very good pitcher. When he's healthy, when he's healthy, he is lights out, and I we love to see that. Now we don't really know, you know, this Yamamoto guy, right? Three hundred and twenty-five million over twelve years, right? So we don't know what he's going to be getting because he hasn't pitched in the MLB ever, right? He's he was MPB and. Um, you know, he did the World Baseball Classic for Japan, obviously. He played, um, he was, he's one of the best pitchers in, um, the MPB. He won their pitching, their, their pitching accolades, I believe, last year because of his just absolutely, I mean, he was absolutely dominant. You know, and that's why we, we locked his ass down, because we did, right? Same thing with uh, with Otani. You know, we locked him down for ten years. He's with us for ten years. If he can stick with us for all those ten years, we are going. It is going to be amazing. I'm telling you, bro. This is going to be the Dodgers' year. Now, I want to. I don't want to make everyone think this is solely. I'm solely going to focus on the Dodgers. I will not solely focus on the Dodgers. I promise you. Just this episode just happens to be a lot of Dodgers news. Being a Dodgers fan, I want to talk about it too. That's all that I'm going to say. So. The fact that the fact that we have the starting rotation, the fact that we just got these three new pickups, three huge pickups, man, it is going to be it's going to be an amazing year. Like, just hold on. Let me just read this lineup out. Let me just read this lineup out to you real quick. Okay, this lineup is absolutely insanity. We got Mookie Betts, Shohei Otani, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, Max Muncie. James Outman, Jason Hayward, Chris Taylor, and Gavin Lux is coming back from injury. That is a fucking lineup, if I do say so myself. Mookie Betts, you know, he had the record for the biggest contract and biggest salary, something like that. He, he, 
He's one of the best players in baseball. Shohei Otani. Absolutely fucking smash that shit out of the water. $700 million. And you're going to hear this all, all over the place. $700 million is absolutely insane, you know. Because I thought... I knew, like I said before, I knew he was going to the Dodgers, and I've been adamant. I've been, I was adamant about him going to the Dodgers for months now, and I did not think he was going to get seven hundred million. I thought he was going to get high fives, maybe six, just because of the, you know, the the two way aspect of that. But he's not pitching this year. He won't pitch until twenty twenty five because he's got TJ. So I thought it would be a little bit reduced, but. The Dodgers didn't see that. Obviously, the Dodgers are very um, Andrew Freeman is a master for 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 the chest, and that that is absolutely what he you know he does that you know he just he's just that guy. He plays the four D chess and he does all these moves. He think he's thinking five, ten, fifteen years ahead with these moves that he's making. Um. And with the, with the Shohei deal, he's paying him seven hundred million. Well, okay, I'll get into the contract in a second, but he, you know they're paying him seven hundred million dollars, and he's he's not pitching this year, and he'll probably miss the first couple of months in the season next year due to this Tommy John thing. That's not an issue for us because we got the pitching on it. You know, we picked up Glass now for. I think it was one. It was one twenty-five over. Was it one twenty-five over? Something like that. One twenty-five over five, or one twenty-five over seven, or something like that. So you know, we're not worried about the pitching. We got two great rookies. We got Yamamoto, who's technically a rookie, um, and we got uh. Kershaw potentially, you know, he's having a little issues if he signs back with us. That would be awesome, obviously. I don't want to see Kershaw go yet because I'm a huge Kershaw fan. But, you know, Bueller, obviously, he's a veteran. He's been there before. He's done that. Um, Glass now, obviously, veteran, been there, done that. But now he's on the Dodgers, so he can help out this staff out. And then we do got, you know, we got those two great rookies, like I've been saying, Bobby Miller and Emmett Sheehan, and then obviously this Yamamoto guy, which he isn't a known quantity. He isn't a known quantity because he just hasn't, you know, he's just not been in the league. But one of the best pitchers in Japan means he's probably going to be one of the best pitchers here, and that's just a fact because, you know, you can make the case that the MPB is harder than the MLB, to A, to get into, and B, to be good at because these Japanese players are absolutely ridiculous. Even seeing the, the Instagram posts and whatever, so, you know, 1.615, 1.161.5, billion dollars so one billion hundred sixty one million five hundred thousand dollars on Otani Yamamoto and Glass now that's how much money the Dodgers have spent now with that being said we have you know the Otani situation so he's not actually being paid seven million he's not being paid 70 million a year like the contract states so it's 700 700 million over 10 years which would normally be seven 70 million a year but that isn't how they're going to do it. Otani, you know, he kind of left this open for um, for the teams. When he went into the negotiations, he was willing to take big deferred payments, you know, in order to 
sign with the team he wanted to sign with because he wanted to leave that option. He wanted to leave those options open for the team. Meaning, um, the Dodgers are only they're actually only paying him two $2 million a year for the length of his contract. So he's actually only getting $20 million from the Dodgers up front, you know, in salary. The rest of the $680 million will be paid in deferred payments, which will start in 2034. So, after, well, obviously, 2034, after his contract expires. So, um, that was a big thing for him because he's making, you know, $40, $50 million in, in endorsements and in, you know, ad deals and all this stuff anyways. So, he it's not like he needs the money. He doesn't need the money. But the money in baseball is a lot more about the, the, what the money says in baseball, it's not about, you know, how good you are. That's not what I, no, cut that. The money in baseball, when when these players want to get paid, you know what I'm saying? When they want to get paid and they want to be valued by a team, the money isn't necessarily saying, I'm greedy, I want as much money as possible. It's saying, I want to be valued as a player. And, and if an organization is willing to put that much capital into your career and into your success they value you they want you they think you can do big things and that's what the money in baseball is more about it isn't about getting the bag it is about getting the bag especially when you're a young player but once you become a veteran established player unknown quantity that money is about being valued by an organization because you know if you know Tony's getting paid 700 million dollars you know for a damn fact he ain't going nowhere the organization is do is going to do every single thing they can to make him better, to help him do what he needs to do, and vice versa. Because if they're in for seven hundred million, that means he's in for seven hundred million. So there, it's it's a two way street when it comes to stuff like this. Because it's not just the organization saying here here's seven hundred million and you know just leaving him to do what he's going to do. Oh, they they're going to get their return on their goddamn investment because they're not paying seven hundred million dollars just for him to, you know blow his arm out every year and not be able to play for those 10 years, that would absolutely goddamn suck. What I'm saying is is that these people, they want to be, being valued by an organization means even more than the money itself because when an organization puts actual time and effort and resources into your development and into your success, it means that much more when you actually then have the success than it does if you were to just do it on your own. Because if you just do it on your own, they're the organization is going to clap at you and say, good job, and then they're going to send you on your way. But when they have $700 million invested in you, then it it, it changes the dynamic very much. So it does very, it, it, changes the, it changes the dynamic a lot. And that's where it kind of comes into, that's, that's where I want to transition into Yamamoto. You know, he did 12 years, $325 million. They're paying him $325 million just to pitch just to pitch man that is the highest contract for a pitcher in MLB history so Otani has the highest contract in MLB history period Yamamoto has the highest contract for a sole pitcher in MLB history ever so the two highest contracts in MLB history are both on one single team right now and it just happens to be my favorite team of all time I'll tell you something right now I love it. 
I'm all for it. Everything that's happening right now, I'm all for it. You know, I couldn't I couldn't be more excited and happy for this year to come. I just every single year we're going to the spring training. I love it. I love spring training. I love watching it. I love seeing the development. It's honestly it's so exciting to see that ramp up of the season. You know, get, getting ready for that getting ready for that, you know, um, opening day is just oh and, and then opening day itself is just it's just something special man it's it's so special to see and i'm i could not be more excited about this season but i think it's time to switch gears now we're going to talk about um some rule changes that the mlb is implementing in 2024 pitch clock runners lane and more the changes to the pitch clock it they're just kind of gonna they're just kind of kind of tweak it you know they're not gonna you know mess with it too bad but they're cutting the time from 20 seconds to 18 seconds with runners on base they're keeping it at 15 with no runners on base but they're cutting time on base from 20 to 18 so they're just cutting it by two seconds and you know i say after the first couple months of the after the first couple weeks of the season you know all the pitchers kind of gotten that down once they got you know a couple of starts under their belt they were kind of you know more comfortable with it and you know they were able to you know use their time better they were able to um you know get their timing down and it you know because during spring training there was a lot of pitch <laughs> a lot of pitch clock violations but once the season started and you know like i said the pitchers got starts under their belt they got innings under the belt they it was a lot better and they got a lot better at it so it, it was kind of interesting to see the um the progression there as that happens because obviously you know once a rule changes or you know once there's a new addition to the game it takes a little bit like even like in football when the the PAT was moved back ten, from 10 yards to 15 yards they were less automatic for a little while and they jumped up and they were better than ever so it it is a little bit different but I don't think anyone really got close to 20 seconds and 18 seconds is you know, more than enough time to be able to throw a pitch. Plus, you still have those two step-offs. Um, so that that's kind of, you know, where it's at there. Um, they're extending the... They're extending the um, running lane. Uh, so let me just read what this, this is from Yahoo Sports. Uh, this is a water runner's lane to first base will also debut next season. Previously, batters had to run in the dirt space between the foul line and the three-foot line in hopes of avoiding being called out for interference. In 2024, the lane will instead extend to the edge of the infield grass. There will be an 18 to 24-inch space between the foul line and the infield grass in each park, which, with exceptions for certain fields, that would be harder to update. So... Basically, I, I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but the, um, so how, how the running lanes in, in baseball work, you have the foul line, which is in the middle of, so you have a dirt track, dirt lane that goes all the way from home plate up to first base, right? And the foul line is halfway in between the grass lines, right? So the outside portion, the right-hand portion of that was... Typically the runner's lane. So the runner had from the foul line 
to the grass line, and that was the runner's line all the way down to first base. Usually. That's what happened. But now what they're doing is they're going to extend that and saying the entire dirt portion, including the fouling, the entire dirt portion is the runner's line. Um, and, you know, it, this rule has been kind of floated around there, and it's, it's been talked about a lot because the runner establishes the lane when he starts running. So you swing the bat, you hit the ball, right, and you start running down first base. That straight line from where you start running is where the is where the line is established, according to the rule book, anyways. Um, and what they're saying now is that they're going to increase the space that you have to be able to start that lane and run down the first baseline, which is interesting because um, that is something that you know the first baseman are now going to have to take into account as well um it, it'll be interesting to see but i don't i don't really think it's going to make is i don't think it's going to be that you know big of a difference at all um maybe um i don't know like i said it'll you know they'll do it in spring training they'll get used to it and then you know it's whatever And they're cool, so it's 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 really not that big of a deal. But you know, the first baseman might have to do a little bit thing here. So um, there there are a couple more um, rule book changes, but they're mainly just to um, you know they're basically just trying to speed the game up. They're basically just trying to speed the game up, and um, so like. Pitching changes. So this rule here, pitching changes. When a new pitcher arrives on a warning track, so when they come out of the bullpen, sorry, excuse me, the arm barn, when they when they come out of the arm barn, they hit the war they hit the warning track and they have two minutes. If the if the time left on the break clock, inning break clock, is under two minutes. So it says here, when a new pitcher arrives on the warning track with less than two minutes left on the inning break clock, it will reset to two minutes instead of 2.15. Broadcasters are guaranteed two minutes worth of commercials, but inning breaks breaking, inning breaks featuring a pitching change average 35 seconds more than that in 2023. So, what they're trying to do here is, they're, they're cutting down the time. So, instead of when a pitcher comes out of the arm barn, they touch the warning track, the clock resets, to two minutes. They have two minutes to get from the warning track to the mound and warm up. Now, for most pitchers, you know, that's plenty of time. I know it took me probably less than that to warm up when I, when I was pitching, but, you know, like I said, it is a difference. You have 15 less seconds to warm up. 15 seconds can be two to three pitches. It can be two to three pitches. So, you know, sometimes two to three pitches is the uh, could, could be the difference. But, you know, I remember, you know, because in high school and, um, you know, high school and lower levels, you have eight pitches the first inning and then you have like six pitches every inning after that or some bullshit. I always hated that because I never felt like I had enough. Um, and I had this, <laughs> I had this one goddamn umpire who would piss me off. He, the whole game. He was just trying to, like, assert his dominance over me, and he, you know, he was trying to, you know, I'm the rule maker, and blah, 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 you know, he was very, like, to the rules, and his strike zone was absolutely shit, and everything like this, right? 
and I got, I was out for my third inning, I believe. I was doing pretty well, but I was out for my third inning, and I was warming up, and he goes, um, he tells he tells my catcher to throw it down. You know, he goes, you know, he turns to my catcher and says, um, throw it down or whatever. And I said, no, two more, because I, I always used to give the signal of two more. I'd, I'd always give a two, um, because I want one more pitch, and then I do I want a pitch, and then one more pitch, and you know that's a throwdown. So I would always give a signal of two more. So I gave the two more, right? I gave the two sign. It was kind of like a hook 'em horns kind of thing, but I'm a sooner, so it's it was horns down for me. But I give it two more, and uh, he told my catcher to throw it down. I said no, two more. And he said, throw it down. I said, two more. And I threw one. And obviously my catcher listened to me. And so, you know, he threw it back to me. And I threw another one. And he threw it down. Later that inning, there's a close call, obviously, right? I threw an absolutely beautiful curveball. Like, absolutely beautiful curveball. Probably one of the best curveballs I've ever thrown in my life. I just, something today. Something on this day was clicking. And um, it, it landed right on the outside, right on the outside corner. And he stuck that shit. And he stuck it. And he's sitting there for probably five seconds. And the umpire says nothing. And I'm just, I'm just looking at, I'm just, I just look at the umpire, man. And it is right on the black. It is picture perfect. It is money. Everyone in the crowd is, you know, oh, come on. How could you miss that? fucking suck you need glasses shit like that right it was absolutely beautiful and because of what happened in you know the first inning he didn't give me that strike and that's some bullshit but you know it is what it is umpires have egos and if you know a high schooler disrespects you you're first of all i'm a high i'm a high schooler playing baseball pitching in a baseball game you're a grown-ass man Grown-ass man umpiring a high school baseball game. You know what I'm saying? This isn't... Okay, first of all, I don't want to say I'm not shitting on high school umpires at all. I'm not. I don't want to say that I am. I'm sitting... I'm, I'm talking about this specific umpire. This guy, right? This is a guy who... You know, he probably has... He probably works at fucking Walmart. And on the weekends... He goes and, or, you know, his fucking free time, he goes and umpires high school baseball games. And he thinks he's fucking hot shit. Just shut the fuck up. Just shut the fuck. What are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, this dude is trying to tell, like, he's trying to make me think that he's the shit because he's a high school umpire at 45 years old. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm just, I was just baffled by that and these these umpires they sometimes man they just need to get their egos in check because egos it's what kills the game of baseball because I'm just trying to pitch man I'm trying to get some outs I don't give a shit call my balls and strikes please and call them call them well you know try to have a good strike zone please because it it it, it, it 
wouldn't say it pisses me off, but it annoys the shit out of me how these umpires, they think they're hot shit because they're umpiring a high school baseball game and, you know, they have all this power and shit and they're power hungry and they want to tell you what you can and cannot do. And I know the rules of baseball. I probably knew the rules better than my coach. And it was ridiculous, man. Like, these people are just ridiculous. Speaking of pitching, one of the new rules are fewer mound visits. So rather than five mound visits per team per game, they're going to get four, right? So, you know, they average about two per season. They average about two per game last season. And obviously mound visits, especially when you're at the game, they're boring as shit. And then when you're not at the game, there's always the fucking commercials and you know, they got to bring a new guy in, and he's got to warm up, and you know, it's a whole hoopla. So now they're only doing four, with the exception, with with an exception of the ninth inning. If a defensive team is out of visits at the end of the eighth, if they're out at the end of the eighth, they get another in the ninth. Otherwise, you get four. Um, signaling visits. Defensive players won't be required to visit the mound to, to signal for a mound visit anymore. MLB hopes this will prevent teams from using mound visits to kill time. So, that doesn't make any sense to me, but um, I am guess someone out there will kind of know what that means. Um, uh, a batter requirement for pitchers, in addition to the requirement under three batter minimum row pitchers set to warm up for an inning, will be mandated to face at least one batter. MLB, rule, MLB reviews found 24 instances last season of pitchers warming up between innings and being replaced before throwing a pitch, with two of those occurring during once. Okay, so if, if there is a pitcher warming up in the arm barn, they have to face one batter. They have to face one batter. This is... This well, this can this can do two things. One, it, it it might speed up the game because the pitchers, you know, they don't have to keep getting up and getting down, getting up, getting down, getting up and sitting down. I should say, but getting up, sitting down, getting up, sitting down. So they they don't. A, it's more it's kind of a safety thing because they don't throw as many pitches and they're not constantly warming up and cooling down and warming up, cooling down. That creates undue stress and wear and tear on their joints and you know their bodies and everything like that. So it's kind of a good thing there, but. You know, it, it it's more of it creates more of a strategy for the, the managers who are, you know you know, seeing what they want, seeing what happens. They're gonna have to wait longer. The what ha- was probably gonna happen because of this rule, they're gonna leave pitchers in longer than they should. Which negates the the safety effect of this role. And what it does is it, it leaves those pitchers those pitchers in there for longer, you know, if something bad happens, if something bad happens, then, um, you know, if you have a pitcher warming up, they have to face a batter that inning. So say, you know, there's a guy, and he's got bases loaded, and he gives up a single, and then a walk, and then another single, and then a double, and then another single, and, you know, by, by the time you know it, you've had five batters, and you have five runs in. Um, you got a guy warming up, but you have two outs, and the guy gets the third out. You know what's second? You know what's going to happen there? See, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Like they don't managers. Dave Roberts, 
did a lot last year. He didn't really like to pull the trigger a lot of the time early enough. He kind of left him in for a little too long, but sometimes you just need to pull the trigger. And I think this is going to, it's either going to have that effect. It's either going to make him pull the trigger. Well, it's going to make some guys pull the trigger a lot earlier, and it's going to make some guys wait it out a lot longer than they should. They're going to leave the guy in for longer than they should and give up more runs, more hits, blah, blah, blah. And then the, on the on the other end of that, it's going to make the other guys have a shoulder leash, and they're going to pull the trigger a lot earlier. And it it's okay. I mean, both of those can be kind of, depending on, depending on the pitcher and depending on the manager, it, it, it just kind of, it varies, right? So it's either going to make him have a shorter leash or a longer one. That's all it's going to be. Um, circumvention. The pitch clock operator or field timing coordinator will restart the clock after a dead ball as soon as the pitcher has the ball. Pitchers won't be required to be on the mound, thereby eliminating their ability to lay the start of the clock by walking around the edge of the mound before after a foul ball. Interesting. So this is... I thought it was like this last season, but I guess I was wrong. So last season... Once the pitcher got the ball, he had, you know, once he steps on the mound with the ball, that's when the pitch clock starts. But now, this season, once the pitcher has the new ball from the catcher after a foul ball, they have the new ball or they catch the ball, you know, once they get a ball from the catcher, that's when the pitch clock starts. And they have 15 seconds from the point they catch the ball to throw the pitch. Or 18 seconds from the point they catch the ball to throw the pitch with runners on base. That's kind of interesting. Um, you know, and that, that, that's kind of interesting because it gives, well, obviously, it gives you reduce the time with pitchers, the pitchers have with runners on base, and yet you reduce it even more by saying once they have the ball, that's when the pitch clock starts. You know, I don't, personally as a pitcher, I don't like that portion of it. It should be when they step on the mound, they have 15 seconds because, you know, games, the average game was under three hours. You know, the games averaged under three hours this year. And that should be a win. And they should take that and say, cool, further it from here. And once it gets more efficient and everything gets, you know, sorry, once, once it gets, once it gets more efficient, everyone starts, you know, the rule changes or everything like that. It's not, um, people aren't as, uh, you know, people are more used to it than they used to be. It's going to run a lot smoother and it's going to be even faster. But now you just took more, even more time away from the pitchers because for whatever reason, they always want to take time away from the pitchers and I, I, Pitchers does the pitcher does control the pace of the game, but not with these rules anymore. They're not controlling shit. They have it 15 seconds or 18 seconds from the time they get. And what about those people? You know, what about those guys who have such long strides? They are all the way at the end of the mound. Sometimes in the grass. You know, sometimes you're in the grass. You have 15 seconds to get from the grass to the mound, get the sign, set, you know, and throw. It may be, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, those extra two seconds it takes, you know, two, three seconds it takes from get to get from the grass to the mound could be the difference because you have to get to the mound, 
to look in, you have to get the sign. And sometimes the signs take forever because you want to shake and you want to shake and you want to shake. But now they don't have time to shake. You can only shake maybe, may, you can only shake once, maybe twice, and then you have to step off. So that puts more pressure on the catchers, which puts more pressure on the pitchers to be able to throw these, to be able to throw on time and not have a pitch clock violation. This is going to be very interesting to see in spring training. These rules are going to be very interesting to see in spring training. I'm going to see if I can't catch a game or two. Maybe, um, you know, maybe I'll catch something during spring break while I'm back down in Florida. Um, you know, we'll, we'll just kind of see how that works out. And, um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, I'll definitely do a recap. If if I go to any of those games, I'll definitely do a recap of that. But I'll, I'll, be, I'll be watching out throughout spring training as well and, seeing kind of what we um, what we're looking at there but anyways thank you guys for tuning into this episode of the arm bar and talk podcast i appreciate y'all thank you very much for liking commenting viewing and subscribing i appreciate y'all and we will see you next time peace